0: Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, how's it going? Doing well, doing well. Um, We today are going to talk about... uh, survivors of dynasties the last player from a dynasty to remain with the team now we're using the term dynasty but i want to go ahead and clarify that <laughs> people there get are very upset people get very upset if you don't use dynasty
1: the way that they want dynasty to be used right
0: so. yeah and there's not really like a, a word for teams that were like really good you know won a couple championships or mm-hmm. made you know a handful of finals you know in a few years you know sub dynasties i don't know but anyway we're going to be talking about more than just actual dynasties so I don't. So coming from the top, if you get mad that we're going to talk about you know the uh, I don't know the two thousand Spurs and be like well, they're not really dynasty and just like you know, just shut up about it because you know we we understand that but it's um, no but you're wrong because they are a dynasty. So well maybe yeah but either way like the um, no, you know idea. the nineties Rockets or whatever you know but. Regardless, so we're just talking about important teams that accomplished a lot. So, or um, we're, we're just going to talk about the uh, '50s Lakers and '60s Celtics, and then post-expansion, 1970. We're going to kind of the our criteria was at least two titles in three years, or if you made three finals appearances in uh, five years and won a championship during that time. So that's kind of the kind of the criteria we're going with. So, uh, hopefully, that works for everybody.
1: I'm sure it will for every single person. I'm
0: sure. All right, <laughs> fair right. enough. <laughs> All right, so we uh, begin with the 1948 to 1954 Lakers. Uh, they won six championships in seven years, a NBL title in 1948, then they moved over to the BAA, won the championship there in 49, and then once the merger happened, they won uh, four NBA titles in five years, including three in a row, so uh, good on them. Um, the uh, the last player from the first year of the dynasty kind of depends on uh, on what you mean because George Mike had retired in, um, after the 54 season, but he actually came Came back for 37 games, 956. Um, However, Jim Pollard played through the 55 season, 63 games there, but was um – but, but was gone in 56 so if you consider going straight through or if you consider the absence we're gonna run into a, a few of these uh, here and there so yeah. we will we'll, we'll, we'll the listeners um, go with the uh, a judgment call on uh, on that one but that's uh that was our, our finding there so the uh, yeah, they- if, if you want to count
1: continuous or you know just a brief period because there's gonna be a few here where the guys either go away for for a little while some you know maybe get traded for one year play a few games with another team and then go back or whatever so it, it's hard to, to, to quantify it exactly if you want to do yeah continuous to be Jim Power, but if you want to, you know, get a little
0: more fun with it, uh, George, George Mike and counts, I'd say. Yeah, we're just going pre- to present you the facts. We will let the listeners uh, come up with whatever <laughs> right. conclusions they want to come up with. So uh the uh, last player from the final year of the dynasty was a uh, good old Vern Mickelson who uh, joined the, the uh, Lakers in 1950 The when they, for, during the merger. Uh, and then lasted through the 59 season, which was the year they um, they only went 33 and 39. But with uh, Elgin Baylor as a rookie, they uh, upset the uh, NBA champion Hawks and they made the finals, um, although they were swept by the uh, Celtics. It's you can kind of consider that similar to the year that LeBron took the uh, Cavs to the finals the first time in 07. And, you know, it was really impressive. They got there, but then, of course, got uh, swept by the uh, Spurs once they got there. But that, that was kind of a precursor of teams of the uh, 60s. Um, they did not have Jerry West yet, but they had Hot Rod Hudley, who was there for a few years, Jim Krebs, uh, Slick Leonard, uh, Dick Garmaker, and, and uh, Larry Faust, who was a veteran holder but didn't really last much into mm-hmm. the uh, 60s, at least not with the Lakers. But, um, but yeah, you know, interesting little uh, team there. Um, so do you have some uh, fun facts about uh, Vern Mickelson? Yeah, yeah. One of these, is uh, the, the
1: first one's probably my, my favorite. So he was initially a center, but obviously with George Mikan on the Lakers, he had to become a forward. Well, now this kind of tells you the era that we're talking about here. So Vern Nicholson he was uh, 6'7", 235 pounds. The player that he replaced was 5'11". So obviously it was a, a slow change in the guard there, but you obviously you had Mikan who, you know, obviously one of, one of the better big men in, in NBA history and obviously the early NBA was, was the dominant star, the dominant big man or whatever. And then little by little guys starting to come in and, and Vern's another case of that where, you know, he's 6'7". And he then comes into a, a situation where he's taking over for a guy, you know, it's five eleven or whatever. So we're starting to see uh, a big difference there. And yeah, he kind of came to define the power forward position for a while there too, as well. Uh, very bruising, very physical style. is uh, known for setting hard picks, uh, throwing elbows, doing the dirty work. Um, comparisons, yeah, you know, you sort of mentioned uh, you know off air a little bit, but Charles Oakley is a very good comparison, like you know, a modern Zaza Pachulia, those sort of guys, the guys who played very you know hard style and, and, and did a lot of the dirty work, and that's what power forwards you know would become for quite a while as well and even you know today there still are many examples of, of power forwards that that's sort of you know one of the trademark styles of them uh, as far as Mickelson uh, four time all NBA second team six time all star was uh, the sixth player to score 10,000 points uh, he also holds the NBA record for falling out uh, he did it 127 times in only uh, 699 games he only missed five games in his entire career as well uh, then a fun little story here from the New York Times in 2013 as uh, a year after Mickelson's playing career ended the Lakers owner at that time Bob Short uh, moved the the team to Los Angeles, of course, from Minneapolis, as Mickelson told the New York Times long afterwards. Short asked him to be the first coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Vern wanted a $50,000 salary. Short's counter offer was 25000 and one-fourth ownership of the team, uh, but Mickelson turned that down, so he was never coach of the Lakers, but almost.
0: Yeah. And, and more importantly, not uh, owner of the uh, Lakers. That would have obviously uh, paid off. Yeah. He really wanted that
1: 25K, though. I mean, maybe. He yeah, did it for, that's true. <laughs> you know? It would,
0: would have been good. Yeah. But so to he, be he fair, had,
1: like sports team ownership, it, you know, it would be quite a little while until that was actually something
0: that was, you know, <laughs> going to pay off in most uh, respects. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the um, Mickelson. You know, one of the things. You know, he was a center and really only could score from the inside. But as a forward, he kind of developed also a uh, you know a fairly decent outside shot. At least one that you know kind of had to be respected, like a you know a set shot. So he kind of. Was able to you know and, and Pettit obviously uh, Bob Pettit later you know really perfected it of being able to you kind of be the you know, the big strong bruising guy who could score outside you know he was more of the superstar power forward you know Mickelson was more you know a really good player a supporting player I, I think he ended up did actually made the Hall of Fame you know obviously because of the dynasty he was a part of and you know was one of the like I said one of the six players that scored ten thousand points probably better than Oakley overall but you know kind of along those lines of you know you, you had you know Pollard who was really athletic and a great scorer you had Mike and um on the inside you had slater martin who was a really good you know ball handler and and then mickelson kind of did all the you know kind of the other stuff just to kind of make it work and defend really hard and you know maybe draymond green's another you know solid example maybe not not quite as much of the playmaking but you kind of was the guy who kind of made everything work for the other guys who were kind of more of the stars right uh so next we have the uh, of course the 57 through 69 Celtics. We talked about them a few times. Um, a few times, yeah. They're, they're okay. Good team. Yeah, 11 Decent. NBA... Yeah. yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not, not Dynasty, bad.
1: though, uh, you know. Eh,
0: well, <laughs> I don't know. On, yeah. do you count them as a dynasty? I mean, they, there was that one year they didn't win the title, so... You know? That's true. That's true. Yeah, 11 titles and 12 finals appearances in 13 years, including eight in a row from 59 to 66. Uh, the last player from the first year of that dynasty was Bill Russell, who lasted through the final year in 1969. <laughs> uh, Sam Jones was there in 58, and I through 69 as well, but, uh, Russell was the only, where, only one there for the entire time. Obviously the, you know, the, there were a lot of great players, of course, uh, during that time, but was the, you know, the, I, I, I think obviously the most important player to, uh, say to, uh, you know, be, uh, uh, gosh, uh, he was to you know, say the least he was the most important player <laughs> oh, in that course, yeah. uh, time. Yes. So, um, a, um, and you know, also there's a a connector team uh, that I like to call them the 74 to 76 Celtics who won two titles in three years. uh, So they had success pretty soon afterward. Um, And actually three players from the 69 Celtics were on the, uh, were on the 74 Celtics, John Havlicek, uh, Don Nelson and uh, Don Chaney. We'll talk about a little bit more in a few minutes. Uh, All were top six in minutes on that team, actually. So they were a big part of that uh, 74 championship team. And then on the 76 team, Havlicek and Nelson were still on that team, um, uh, Nelson was in a uh, reduced role at that point. Havlicek still, you know, getting toward the end of his career, but still, you know, one of the most important, you know, two most important players in that team with uh, Cowens as well. And um, the last player from the last year of the uh, of the Celtics dynasty, the first ones in '69, um, was Havlicek continuously. He was there through '78. But um, if you consider. Uh, Don Chaney, who went to the ABA in '76 uh, and then returned to the Celtics in '78, and then came, and then was there through 1980, uh, making him the only player with both Russell and Bird. So he actually um, was there the latest, although it was not there the uh, longest. So uh, and the last player, for what it's worth, on the '76 uh, uh, Celtics was uh, Dave Cowens, who also lasted through uh, 1980. So uh, fun facts there, and you have some yeah. fun facts.
1: Yeah, and, and since Havelcheck has been covered many times by many other people, including ourselves, we're going to go with fun facts with Don Chaney. We're counting Don Cheney here, uh, because obviously we haven't talked about Don Chaney before, so let's do it now. Uh, nicknamed of, uh, Duck was his nickname, which is an incredible, uh, nickname. Uh, five-time all-defensive second team, uh, famously played with Elvin Hayes at the University of Houston, and they played in the, 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 game of the century versus UCLA, uh, in the Astrodome, one of the most famous, you know, NCAA, or really most famous basketball games of all time, but just, particularly at that time was really unprecedented and just like a huge moment, uh, for college hoops at that time. Uh, Went to the ABA, as we mentioned, uh, after the Celtics, uh, and and played uh, with the uh, Spirits of St. Louis uh, for the 1976 season. Uh, He went to the Lakers after the merger, and then, of course, like you mentioned, returned to the Celtics thereafter. Uh, He had a coaching career, but uh, didn't go very well. You may remember Don Chaney a little bit during his coaching ranks. Uh, He was for the Clippers in the mid-80s, and that's was not a good time to be the coach of the Clippers, and there's really (laughs) rarely times to be a a coach for the Clippers. But uh, he was also in the Rockets from 89 to 92, which wasn't a bad period, but he was replaced by Rudy Tom Johnson and then obviously success shortly followed uh he was with the pistons in the mid 90s and that uh, wasn't a great era you know obviously you had a little bit of a change of the guard there um Lambier retired. There was a practice fight with Isaiah. You know, obviously you get a little bit of the Grant Hill era as well, but still being, a you know, Pistons coach in the mid-90s wasn't really the greatest, especially after how well they played, which under Chuck Daly for so many years. Uh, And then he was also coaching the early 2000 Knicks pre-Isaiah, which also was not a very great run. So that was it for Don Chaney's coaching career. So uh, a lot of not great spots. I don't know necessarily that were all like kind of his fault, but there was many instances where like, you know, he would come after the team had been good or he you know would leave and then the team would get, you know, a little bit better i mean particularly the rockets one. you know eighty, ninety, ninety-two uh was was a period where the rockets were were, were good but not great and a period where you know there was a lot of questions about hakeem olajuwon and whether the rockets you know were, were were meant for this or if hakeem was was good enough to lead a team to a championship and then you know obviously uh tom janovich comes in and then shortly thereafter they're 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 pretty great so um yeah not not the greatest coaching career for don Cheney, but hey hung around for a little while
0: yeah and, yeah, the time with the Spirits didn't work out real well. He got hurt there, and that was kind of a disastrous season for the, uh, the last ABA season for them, of course. And, um and, and you yeah, briefly played with the uh, Lakers got I think he was involved in the Kermit Washington trade from um, from the Lakers to the I think he was included in there as uh, as well after of course the uh, Kermit Washington was involved in the punch with Regen jo- Tom Jonovich so uh, <laughs> so another Rudy T. appearance uh, going on there it, it all uh, Rudy T. is our Kevin Bacon of this uh, episode <laughs> uh, uh, who, who, who was the connector last time who, was it Kendrick Perkins or was uh, Kendrick, it I think uh, it was Kendrick did we go with Kendrick Perkins I forgot I mean
1: Robert Parrish is the, the, the cheap one one because he literally well, you know, well, yeah, is, right. is great. For 30 I think, years, so yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we did a Kendrick Perkins one, and, and that was actually pretty uh pretty fruitful. The Kendrick Perkins uh six degrees of separation. So
0: yes, yes, indeed. So uh, uh, I don't remember. Have- I really
1: don't remember the the Don Cheney. Uh, sorry to interrupt. But I'm looking through like no, Google Images. Right. I mean, I know he was there, and there's obviously images. I don't remember the Don Cheney Knicks era, but you know, here's a picture with him and Frank Williams, and and him and Antonio McDice. So uh yeah, yeah, and yeah, Steve I- Mills, who's yeah, always. Nice. Keeps he, his job. Been Just there for, like, yeah, you know? forever. Yeah. You know? Hey. <laughs> A lot yeah. of success. Yeah. Under.
0: yeah. Herb Williams probably was there. <laughs> I know he was there forever, too. So, yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. The sure fans oh, are enjoying Knicks. that. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> um, so uh next we have the uh the 69 through 75 uh, Pacers who uh won 3 ABA titles in 4 years between 70 and uh 73 also five finals appearances in uh 7 years. Uh you can kind of argue uh, when this dynasty ends. Uh we'll we'll get to that in a moment, but uh the last player from the first year of the dynasty, this is gets a little complicated, but but uh, bear with me. So Mel Daniels, Freddie Lewis, and Roger Brown all lasted through the 74 season. Uh, Roger Brown actually returned to the team in 75 after having been traded away uh, in a reduced role. Uh, Bob Netalicki spent um, uh, 73 and part of 74 in Dallas, San Antonio, then came back um, in 74 and played through 76. And then uh, Freddie Lewis returned to the Pacers in 77 in the NBA for 32 games. So however you want to parse that out uh, (laughs) going forward. But uh, one of those three guys, I guess you throw Nataliki in there uh, as well. But anyway, so those that's what happened. Um, the last player from the last year, Dynasty, a little complicated as well. So if you consider the end to be 73, which is where when, you know, um, Daniels, Lewis and Brown, you know, really the important players were um, gone, then uh, you've Darno Hellman, who played for the Pacers through 77 or uh, Don Busey, who played for the Pacers through 77, but also returned for the 81 and 82 seasons. Um, if you consider it through the 75 team, which still had George McGinnis uh, kind of made a fluke run to the finals and added Billy Knight and on L- 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 Elmore then you have Elmore who played for the Pacers through 79 and uh, Billy Knight who played for the Pacers through 77 but then returned again and then was there from 79 to 83. So the Pacers had a lot of uh getting rid of guys and then bringing them back. Uh George McGinnis, that happened to as uh well who I didn't really uh, uh consider for uh this since he uh, since he left uh, before those guys mm-hmm. but uh but yeah. So that is um that's <laughs> that, that's the answer. The answer is unclear I guess depending on your interpretation of the uh, event. So
1: yeah, it's kind of tough to 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 nail that one down exactly, just because there were a lot of moving parts there. But uh, yeah, and, and obviously you have the three, you know, Daniels, Lewis, Brown are are really, I think, the people that we probably would immediately put there. But but it is interesting too when you add the guys, like uh, the Darnell Holman and the Don Busey and, and those sort of guys. But yeah, to me, I it's, it's kind of tough. I don't know. And then like Lewis, go, you know, comes back after a few years. I, yeah, it's it's tricky. But I I would probably. Count one of the Mel Daniels, Fred Lewis, Roger Braun, but you know they, they did have some runs uh, in them in the in the you know later years as well. So yeah, it's it's tough to nail that one down. That's one of our harder uh you know quote unquote dynasties to nail down. And actually it's sure. it's, it's interesting because they were almost extended for a little while as well. Yes. So the um the
0: 1975 Memphis Sounds. So the um. Uh, Mike Storn who had been the Pacers and Colonel's GM and he actually resigned as ABA commissioner and bought the uh, Memphis franchise along with, uh, investors, including, uh, Isaac Hayes, um, and other uh, local businessmen. Uh, the idea was to have a good franchise for a possible, uh, NBA NBA merger. Mike Storn actually was on, um, the handle podcast with our good friend, Raina Slattis talking about this, this is a really, really good episode on yeah. his whole time in the uh, ABA. Uh, they had a whole makeover, new name, basically a whole new roster, including, uh, Daniels Lewis and Brown um and some other solid ABA veterans um and Daniels and Lewis actually were still effective players uh, Brown was clearly in decline uh, but it did not go well Daniels suffered some injuries early on including slipping in a bathtub and hurting his back and he was much less effective when he did play um and then that forced the Sound to trade Lewis to the Spirits to get another center, uh, Tom Owens. And um, Lewis ended up leading the uh, Spirits to a huge um, playoff upset over the uh, Nets that year. Uh, Brown traded soon afterward to the uh, Stars, uh, leaving only Daniels Tremaine, in Memphis. Brown would later then go from the Stars to the Pacers, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, that season went really poorly, 25-57, although they did make the playoffs, uh, lost that series. And it would only get worse as um, the team would uh, move to Baltimore the next season, uh, go through a couple name changes, and then fold it even before the 76 season uh, began. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So good good times. Yeah, I yes. do love the uh, the twenty seven fifty seven playoff team. <laughs> that's
0: always, always always solid. When yes, yes, you're thirty games below five hundred yes. and you're still in the playoffs. So that's yes, <laughs> the good old so, days. But. So we didn't have any fun facts uh, for a particular player, but we did have uh, something interesting that that we looked at. Uh, uh, so with Daniel's Lewis and Brown, these were three players on a championship team who reunited on another team, and we did some research and could only find uh, six other instances in which that had happened.
1: Yeah, so you got the uh, 1971 Braves. They had Nate Bowman, uh, Bill Hoskett, I believe it's, uh, and then Don May, and they're from the 1970 Knicks. There, uh, you have the 76 80 Spurs, and they have a few members of the 1974 Nets. Uh, you got Larry Keenan, Billy Paltz, and Mike Gale. Uh, 1983 Clippers have the uh, <laughs> unfortunate to, not as much success as the 77 Blazers, but they had some of the players because they had Bill Walton, Bob Gross, uh and Lionel Hollins. Uh, the 1996 Bulls, you know, interestingly enough, you know, after having someone rivalies with the the, the Bulls uh, as members of the Pistons, you. Dennis Rodman's James blue Edwards uh, and John Sally on the 96 bulls. Um, the record-breaking 96 Bulls, too. Uh, and then you have uh, two Cavs teams here. You have the 2015 Cavs, had LeBron, James Jones, and Mike Miller from the 2012-2013 uh, Heat. And then the 2017 Cavs, who had uh, LeBron, Jones, and uh, Birdman, Chris Anderson, played there for a few games as well. Uh, and they were all, obviously, from the 2012-2013 Heat. So a lot of recent ones there with the Cavs, and then uh, some other ones spread out. But, uh, yeah, I am always I always love the 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 you know the, the, the former rivals of the Pistons coming to the Bulls. And it, it seemed kind of interesting. I mean, there seemed like a time when, you know, half that bench was... It was just like old Pistons players or whatever, but yeah. Got got
0: yeah, a little well, work obviously. So go yeah. Down, yeah, yeah, yeah go, go, it's down. funny. Yeah, I wonder if like Jordan just wanted them around to like embarrass them, you know, just uh, <laughs> put them in their place kind of thing. You
1: yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, Michael. Wait, are you? Say, oh, hold on a minute. Are you saying Michael Jordan might be petty in some way and, <laughs> and spiteful? like spiteful, ultra competitive, uh, and spiteful? Are you? Are you? What are you trying to insinuate here, Jason? Like, uh, it is possible. I, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Dare, how dare you besmirch the the clean
0: <laughs> image of Michael Jordan? All right. I, I, I'm sorry. I will never do it again. <laughs> Uh, So um, uh, next we have the uh, 69 through 73 Lakers who won one championship and had four finals appearances in five years. Uh, the last player from that first year was uh, Jerry West, who lasted through the '74 season. Actually, the '75 preseason, where he retired. And the uh, last player from the last year would be uh, Gail Goodrich, who lasted through the '76 season. Pat Riley actually lasted two games in the '76 season, but Goodrich lasted for longer. Um, I did not actually link the '62 uh, through '68 uh, Jerry West Elgin Baylor Lakers, who reached uh, five finals in seven years, because they. Lost to Boston each time. Really, when they added Wilt, was you know when they won the championship. When they they made a lot of finals, still obviously, but they actually won the championship. So I just kind of went with that as the criteria. But it doesn't matter because the answer would have been the same anyway. Uh, West would have been the uh, <laughs> would have been the choice from the first year, and Goodrich still would have been the choice from the yeah. last year. So so uh, so there you go. So so you got some fun facts about Gary Goodrich for us. Uh, yeah, Goodrich was he was uh, picked by the Suns
1: in the 1969 expansion draft where he broke out. Uh, became an all-star. He averaged uh, 23.8 points per game, 6.4 assists per game, and 5.4 rebounds per game. Uh, so that was after, you know, obviously playing as a reserve for the Lakers, comes out into the expansion draft, goes to the Suns, and and really explodes on the scene, which is pretty cool. The uh, Lakers say, okay, well, now we want you back. So he returns to the Lakers in 1971. He's uh, leading score actually, for the 1972 Lakers, who won uh, 69 games, of course, uh, won 33 in a row, and then eventually the NBA championship. So, uh, you know, pretty cool career arc as well you know starting as a reserve and then becoming like one of the the top tier players on a team that you know historically one of the greatest teams ever and for for quite a while until you know the aforementioned bulls you know the highest win total uh for a team in a single season uh he was a five-time all-star uh one-time all-nba player Uh, 1976 he went to the jazz as a free agent to pair with uh, pete maravich it didn't go all that well because he suffered uh, an achille injury and uh did have a strong you know 1978 season at age you know 34 um the Jazz at that point had Pete Maravich and Chuck Robinson, but uh, the Jazz yeah, it just wasn't great you know, for, for for them. And the franchise at the time was, was kind of in flux as well. Uh, and one of the big issues as well, they were forced to send three first-round picks to the Lakers uh, under compensation rules at the time. The last one, uh, 1979 famously ended up being the number 1 overall pick and if you know anything about draft history you go ha huh, I think I know who that is and that is uh, Magic Johnson so uh not a great trade for the Jazz I mean eh, you got some short term games but uh having Magic Johnson probably would have been better than you know having Gil Goodrich for a few years but uh yeah he was third um He's third all time uh, in NBA scores uh, among lefties as well, so still kind of in the upper echelon of of, of lefty NBA players. But yeah, pretty. I, I love that career arc, though. I like a guy that can kind of start, you know, anonymously and then work his way up like that. That to me is more fun than the guy, you know. And I do love the guys that are just, you know, really good from day one, or you know, they're going to be good from day one. But there's there's something to be said for those guys too. Kind of work, 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 and then eventually, you know, you know, come to become big time players. And yeah, him being, you know, the top player on, on that uh, that 72 team is always pretty cool as well, or, or one of the top players, obviously. But the top scorer on that team is, is always was really fun
0: yeah and it was a little bit like some of the uh celtics guys you know like sam jones who was behind uh you know bill shot yeah I mean, he right, was behind, right like yeah he was behind like archie clark he was behind uh you know walt hazard you know guys like that so i mean there there were some i have one good reason you know why team the league eventually expanded there's a lot of talent going on uh so you know he was he was still he was a good permanent player but he definitely obviously in that bigger role uh was able to uh was able to do more um so next we have the 1972-73 uh, Knicks. Uh, they won uh, two NBA titles and had three finals trips in four years. Uh, the last player of the uh, first year dynasty, uh, this is another It Depends one, uh, Bill Bradley and Walt Frazier both lasted through the 77 season, however... Uh, Phil Jackson, who missed the 1970 season with an injury, but was still with the team, uh, actually lasted through, uh, 70. I'm going to go ahead and give this one to Phil, I think, because, I mean, he was with the team. He was, you know, he'd been on the roster previously. I mean, he was continuously there. So I I would say, uh, I'd go with Phil, but that's another, you know, if you don't want to give Phil credit for that one, uh, yeah, I don't totally blame you either, especially if you're a Knicks fan. So, um, and then the last player from the first year, or excuse me, from the last year of the dynasty was, uh, Roman Rowe through, um, uh, 1980. So, um. Uh, this is a little, this one's a little complicated, so I'm gonna uh, take this one. Uh there's yeah, go a ahead. Uh, there's a fun story about uh, Earl Monroe that I found. Obviously, we don't need to go through Earl Monroe's career. He's we've talked about him before. He's <laughs> an interesting guy for sure. But um, anyway, uh, but I found a story just kind of doing some random research is that he actually made a shot at the end of the game against the Blazers in uh, March of '77. Uh, this was the Blazers championship year in the wrong basket. Uh, so. Um, the Knicks were up by ten and uh Johnny Davis hit a jumper to cut the lead to uh to eight. Lionel Hollins installed the inbounds pass, converted to another score one oh eight to one oh two. Uh the Knicks then inbounded again to Roman Rowe, who shot the ball into his own basket as time expired, making the final score one oh eight to one hundred four. So, uh, so no harm, no foul, right? Yeah, right. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no, sometimes so, you shoot the wrong basket. It happens. Yeah, so a lead that was eight with, you know, ver- very little time left, you know, went, went to four. Uh, the-, the spread on the game was five and a half points, uh, mm. so that obviously you know, <laughs> changed a lot of uh, people's money going on. Well, probably not like a lot of gambling going on in that, but e- either way, you know um, – so it was just kind of an inexplicable thing, like, you know, what what, what was he thinking kind of stuff. Uh, so after the game, he was quoted as saying – he just laughed and, you know, uh, said, I forgot which end of the court I was standing. Anyways, I also thought that the game was over. So um, now I, c- I cannot find a contemporary account to um, confirm this, but there are a couple of blogs that mentioned that – the NBA had to investigate Monroe for point shaving, and that he was cleared. So I, I, I can't say. I mean, the incident absolutely happened. You know, whether they actually literally did an investigation, or whether that's like, which, you know, like one of those like urban legend type things mm-hmm. that, um, you know, became popular at the time, and they just kind of became um, law. I, I, I cannot find. I, I searched for an article. If anybody happens to have a account of, of the time to um to, to let us know that you know that yes, indeed happened. The the investigation was. A, a true thing. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, I, I hate to sort of spread rumors, but obviously I don't think we're disparaging, you know, Earl here, um, I, you know, either way. So um, so it, it, it interesting, uh, interesting fun fact. Nevertheless, whether the investigation itself happened or not.
1: Yeah, I do have the, uh, the Earl, uh, Earl of the Pearl book, like within arm's length of me at this time. Like I might, uh, you know, when we, in a little bit, you know, go through and, and, and see if there's anything quickly about that. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, mean, I haven't read that book all the way through yet. So I, I don't remember. I at least haven't gotten up to that point either, but, uh, it's a story that I've heard of, you know, in, in terms of him scoring on the wrong basket. But yeah, I had never, I never heard for sure that they, you know, you know, investigate him for point shaving or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it did seem a little weird at the time though. But yeah, you know, it's not like, you know, yeah. I, I think a lot of times it might just be a coincidence. We're where there's so many games and so many you know examples because you can really I mean there, there are constantly examples of a guy you know turning the ball over a guy you know y- y- you know doing weird stuff at the end of the game where you could say oh my god I wonder if that was it's just sometimes you know with with thousands of games happening you know every single year for for decades and decades like there are going to be examples of just weird things that happen and that you know sort of sway the betting or, or, or affect the betting in some way way shape or form I mean, how many times do you see it where you know especially in the football where you see like some weird thing where a guy just like kicks a field goal and it's like god damn it's like now everything's ruined or you know he misses a field goal to cover there's always just weird instances that sort of stuff
0: yeah it reminds me of the uh, of the Simpsons episode where uh, Lisa gets really into gambling with uh, Homer and then uh, yeah she writes an essay <laughs> about like her most exciting moment is when you know uh, somebody kicks a field goal to uh, cover <laughs> right, ass, right exactly you know, so yes so yeah so there's also a uh if, if anyone uh is i don't want this to be confused but there's also like a um an fbi informant account of the of accusations of some players uh who've never been named as far as i know of the 1982 knicks possibly engaging in a point shaving as well this is completely separate f- thing from the earl monroe thing that the, there at least was an fbi you know we're looking into it in 82 that as a thing you know whether that actually happened mm-hmm. or not that's at least a that was at least a real investigation that, that, that is different from this so don't conflate those two things if if you're going to give us an answer on, uh, Earl Monroe. So, uh, so there we go. Uh, next we uh, speaking of gambling, we have the, uh, 1974, 1976, uh, nets, um, who, uh, Won two uh, NBA titles in uh, three years. Uh, the uh, last player from the uh, first year of the uh, dynasty. Uh, actually, uh, weirdly, was only uh, there were only four players from the 74 Nets that played in the 76 Finals. Uh, a lot of turnover in just uh, two seasons. Uh, Julius Erving, Brian Taylor, John Williamson, and Bill Melchioni. Uh, Williamson was technically the last one to uh, last. He was traded midway through 77 to the uh, Pacers. Uh, then returned to the Nets midway through '78 and lasted through midway uh, 1980. So um, the last player from the last year of the uh, dynasty uh, was uh, Tim Bassett, who lasted into the uh, 1980 uh, season. Uh, we tried to find some fun facts about Tim Bassett, but didn't, didn't find a whole lot there, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> there's there's not much. Yeah, he uh, he played for the conquistadors, San Diego conquistadors in the ABA, uh, joined the Nets, and then ended his career with the Spurs in 1980, uh, where several ex-Nets were as well. I think the fun- Honest of all the fun facts, though, is that he owns a Manhattan nightclub. Uh, that's that's yes. as far as as of two thousand nine. So. I think Jason, you and I road trip to um, numerous Manhattan nightclubs until we can find the one that Tim Bassett owns, and we can say hi to Tim totally Bassett. We, uh, yeah. we do an NBA history podcast. Yeah, there's, a goes, oh.
0: Times, there's a New York Times. There's a New York Times profile on it, but um, I ran out of my free articles this month, so I, uh, I couldn't uh. uh, read it. So um, I saved the link earlier and had it open, and then I accidentally closed it went on a different computer and reopened it, and then I couldn't get to it. So All right, well, if you have so, gone to Tim
1: Bassett's nightclub, please let us know so we can uh, plan a trip there. So.
0: Or if you've read that article and happen to know more than we do, you're welcome to uh, tweet us at overbeck NBA and let us know what we missed on that uh, article. <laughs> um, next we have the 1975 through a 79 a bullets who won a one. Oh, hold on, title. wait, hold
1: on a minute. I have gone to the article. This looks incredible. We got to go. It's like a uh, it's like a spy bar kind of. Have you ever been to like um. It's called The Back Room, and it's uh, this is this is from the New York Times article that you're talking about. I don't know if it's All still right. around, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's a speakeasy from the 20s that he uh, rehab. It says, The Back Room used to be a hangout during Prohibition, hence its discreet location. It even comes equipped with secret rooms and exits that were used to evade police. Uh, today, the covert bar is a night spot for celebrities seeking a peaceful night out, and a general manager has a uh, who can appreciate that desire for anonymity. And that's a little bit about his playing career then after that. And there's uh, Tim Bassett. Running the back room. So now we got to find out if the nice. back room is still a thing, and then yeah. we can figure out how to book a trip to uh, to Manhattan so we can.
0: Nice job. Way wait, wait, wait to save that
1: segment, uh, Rich. Nice. nice uh- <laughs> you got it, yeah. yeah. I unfortunately have some of my uh, New York Times. All right, the back room uh looks like we're still around here three and a half stars on yelp though so not great tim ah, but uh not ideal i want you want you off well, the game of there a little bit tim but um, you know what <laughs>
0: hey you know it's possible i like i wonder if they like artificially lowered the star rating to like i keep the riffraff from coming it's just true keep it, like, yeah exclusive. keep it down yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Keep it exclusive. that makes for a lot us. of sense yeah
1: just people like us yeah so um yeah there we go all right well now we know the back room manhattan you and yeah, i
0: Next we can record again. an episode there, yeah. Exactly, yeah. There you go. Are you doing anything? We'll next get Tim then? there. Yeah, we'll get Tim Bassett on. You know, I'm sure <laughs> he'll, he'll want to come on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. He loves that. talking
1: about. Is uh, considering the lead of that article was that he likes anonymity. I'm sure he'd really love you know a bunch of goobers going in there going. Oh my God, he played for the conquistadors. It's like Yeah, well, yeah, well, cool. Well, <laughs> like, nobody cares. We'll load him up <laughs> with oh, a lot of conquistador
0: care. questions. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. think that's a it's going to be exciting. You know, ask him what Stu Johnson was like, you know, so. does everyone want to know? Yeah, obviously. yes. So um, 1959 to 79 Bullets uh, won one NBA title, three finals appearances in five years. Uh, the last player from the uh, first year of the dynasty, actually uh, two players, um, Alvin Hayes and Wes Unseld, both lasted with the Bullets through the uh, 81 uh, season. And then the last player from the last year of the dynasty was a Greg Ballard, who was a rookie on the 78 title team, lasted through uh, 1985. And um, a couple of uh, fun facts for uh, about Greg Ballard. Yes, yeah, so uh, eight seasons in
1: in Washington, he averaged thirteen point two points, and he missed only thirteen games during that point uh, as well. He was kind of the Iron Man or, or one of the you know early Iron He he played uh, three five consecutive games as well, so pretty cool there. I moved on after his playing career to be an assistant coach in Scott with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, that was from 2004 to 2013. And then he was a scout for the Wizards for two years, uh, before he unfortunately died of prostate cancer, uh, in 2016. And I do remember that when he died, you know, obviously not, not, you know, great that he, he died, but it, it was pretty cool to see. Like I remember when, when, when that moment when he died, there was a lot of people that were talking about how big he was and how big of a deal he was, you know, in the, in the front offices of both Atlanta and Washington. It was kind of cool to see the and support. There were players that, you know, he scouted or worked with or whatever that, that kind of came out of the woodwork and talked about how important he was to their life. So that was kind of cool of a player that really wasn't on the national people don't really know greg ballard he's not a you know a household name or whatever but you know it unfortunately you know it took it, it took his death but then a lot of people sort of came out and were like oh you know this is what he did for me and it was really cool and like then you really got an idea of just how important he was in, in in NBA front offices for for a lot of years and we were talking about 2004 uh until yeah obviously 2016 when he, when he passed away
0: yeah and he um yeah yeah i remember a lot of people talking about just how nice he was how good of a scout he was yeah. how like um you know, low-key he was, like, he was not, you know, even though he, he did play in the league, he wasn't, you know, all about, like, you know, making a big deal about it or, or like, being cocky about it or whatever. So, so pretty cool. Um and uh, the 1977 through 1983 Sixers, uh, they uh, won uh, one title and had four finals appearances in seven years, including three finals appearances in four years from uh, from '80 80 to '83. Which might be uh, this is another one where you know maybe, maybe you don't you could start it in '80 instead of starting in '77, but you know we just uh, went with that. And the uh, the last player from the first year of the dynasty was Julius Irving, who lasted through '87. Uh, in fact, was the only player from the '77 team who was also on the '83 championship team. And then the last player from the last year of Dynasty was Maurice Cheeks, who lasted through 1989. Um, Robbie Free, who was traded in 1978, actually came back to the uh, 87 Sixers. Uh, he played 20 games, uh, averaging 58 uh, uh, points per game on uh, 31% uh, field goal percentage. Not so. Not obviously not great. Uh, and he uh, of course played with uh, Irving in his final year and Charles Barkley, who was the actually the draft pick that Philly acquired when they traded free to the Clippers in 1978. So that draft pick in '84. So they got to be teammates afterward. Um, and then it was the second to last year he actually finished his career with the Rockets in uh, 1988. So I, I always enjoy getting some Ruby free trivia whenever we can on the, Oh, absolutely uh, on the podcast. Even even though he is not actually the dynasty survivor, nevertheless he brings some extra stuff there. So
1: yes, but we got we got some fun facts about Maurice Cheeks here. Though uh, he's the only NBA player to ever come out of West, uh, West Texas State University, uh, but the university has another renowned sports lineage: pro wrestling. And Jason, I know you are uh, will enjoy this. Uh, West Texas State University. Here are the wrestlers that spent time at that university: Tolly Blanchard, Bruiser Brody, Ted DiBiase, Manny Fernandez, Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, Stan Hansen, Dusty Rhodes, Tito Santana. And Barry Windham. That is not a bad <laughs> sportless lineage for West Texas State University. That is the that is you could that is a whole era of wrestling, pretty much. <laughs> you know, in one way, a, a, and a certain type of wrestler as well. So you know, they obviously uh, there was a, a certain toughness that came <laughs> with attending uh, West Texas State University, apparently. But yeah, what, what? How about those names there?
0: Yeah. So who's your top three in those guys?
1: Oh uh, man, so it's obviously Terry Funk. I really yeah, like Stan obviously. Hansen too. Uh, yeah, man, I'm gonna get in trouble because like. Oh, man. Like, I, I like Ted DiBiase a lot, but, man, the, the third is tough there. Like, like Funk and Hanson are the easy ones, but, man, Dusty's great. Tito's great. Tully's great. Yeah. Bruiser Brody's great. Yeah, I,
0: DiBiase's great. Like, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're all – I mean, all of them are really good. Like, none of those yeah. guys are not, like, really good, at least. Yeah, I, I'd probably go with um, – I, I love Tito when I was a kid, so I have to – I mean, Terry's obviously is first. Um, Tito and then eh, – Probably Dusty because it's just the entertainment factor, even though he's low on the list of the best wrestlers there. But in Mm -hmm. terms of just, you know, like how much entertainment he gave me for his career, I'm going to go with Dusty, even though he was not, yeah, Great Chicks in the Ring, you know, at least when I watched him as a kid. Right, absolutely. This is this is entertaining. We should do a wrestling
1: podcast sometime, or, or you should maybe. at least. I don't know. Um, just you know, maybe. classic yeah, we'll wrestling, see. maybe like you know, you, you, a little bit about the history of wrestling. I mean, I don't. Yeah,
0: really if, yeah. if you want to put add Vince, a new maybe.
1: perspective, if you want to add a new perspective to to old yeah. wrestling, if you wanted, I mean, that uh, you know, just just a thought. I mean, if you I'll have some think free about time,
0: that. I'll think about that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, Cheeks, he was a four-time NBA All-Star, three times in the NBA Finals with Philadelphia, of course, 1980, 1982, and then 1983 when they won a title. Uh, At the time of his retirement in the league, Cheeks was the NBA's all-time leader in steals and ranked fifth all-time in assists. Uh, At this point, he's fifth all-time in steals uh, and ranks 11th all-time in assists. So he's still up there uh, for both of those as well, obviously not first anymore in in, in terms of steals and not in the top five anymore for assists, but but still pretty solid in both. Uh, After retirement, Cheeks spent a uh, one-year coaching in the Continental Basketball Association, which I would love to do if we could ever Actually, get enough information to like put together like a, a little mini series about the Continental. I mean, there's a lot of really fun stuff about the, the, the CBA, but uh, so he spent one year coaching in the CBA and then I uh, became a 19, uh, the 76ers assistant coach in 1994. Uh, in 2001, he was officially hired as the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, that didn't go very well. <laughs> then he spent time as a head coach in Philly. That also didn't go great. Uh, and then he also was a head coach in Detroit. That did not go well, but he was an assistant in Oklahoma City as well uh, for, for periods uh, through most of the Kevin Durant, uh, Russell Westbrook brook era and that went much better than the other stops on his tours so
0: yeah uh i have no memory of him being the coach of detroit like i know that it happened but i, like, I, I can't remember <laughs> was, like, it that,
1: was he that first like ben gordon charlie villanueva year or was that somebody else i don't re- uh, I, I, you know what I, I know that he was there but yeah i don't remember who he coached that was after they,
0: they had like john kester who like they openly like rebelled against and um <laughs> right. they had i did that cheeks was there they had michael curry um oh the
1: michael curry era yeah i always forget yeah. about that era
0: Yeah, I think Michael Curry was the one right after Flip Saunders, and then it was Kester, and then yeah, I think Maurice Cheeks was. um, Was Lawrence Frank coach there, or am I making that up? Um,
1: No, no, he was 2012, 2013. Lawrence Frank.
0: There you go. Yeah.
1: So when was when was oh he spent a few years there. So yeah, John, Co- yeah, you're right. Okay. So it was, um, let's play a little, little game here of, okay. uh, Detroit Pistons coaching. See so yeah, a flip, as you mentioned, so 2007, 2008, okay. and it was uh, Curry, then Michael Curry. Right? Yeah. Yep. And, everything goes real bad yeah. then. <laughs> and then, uh, doesn't get much better here. Then John Coister, like you said, yeah. uh, him again, then Lawrence Frank, okay. Then Lawrence Frank. Okay. Then Maurice Cheeks for okay. only half the season. So he was 20, uh, 21 and 29. And then they got rid of him. And then John lawyer, somebody named John lawyer, or John liar. I don't know who the hell that is. That, doesn't seem like a real person. So,
0: okay. Apparently, he was a
1: person and he was 8 and 24 as Pistons coach in 2013, 2014. Uh, and then you had the Stan Van Years. So, um, yeah. There you go. And pretty soon we'll be at, uh, you know, able to add another name to that list. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on eh. how the season goes. But the East is, uh, you know, if there's every yeah. year for the Pistons to, uh, you know,
0: yeah, I mean, or, it's or Stan like,
1: Van to shave his job. I'd be like, I made the, I'm worth the seventh seed. I mean, look, like,
0: right. I I, I mean, whatever <laughs> problems they have, like, they probably aren't Stan Van Gundy's a coach. I mean, yeah, GM maybe, but yeah, but coach, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would uh, not totally blame him for, uh, like, who are they going to get? It's a better coach than Stan Van Gundy, really, you know, but. Morris Cheeks. Morris Cheeks available. There you go. More, try more that again. Yeah. Try again. Why not? Yeah. The, the, I'm sure the Alvin Gentry is. will
1: available in a little bit. You can go do the oh, Alvin, Alvin, Alvin Gentry, yeah. Gentry thing again. That's all. everybody always tr- likes yeah. to do the Alvin Gentry thing.
0: Has, has the second time has bringing back a coach for the second time on a, in a franchise ever been a good idea? Like, has that ever like done, like even been okay it, or uh can you think of an instance of that? I know we're getting off the rails here, uh, but
1: whatever. No, I know. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I remember Remember when Orlando brought, like, Brian Hill back a few years, like, like many years after. I right. was like, no, oh, what are you doing? Like, no. Yeah. Like, He's, like, like really the old yeah, now. Yeah. Nobody really wants to listen to Brian Hill anymore. The brought like, back Dick Mata, um, yeah. Yeah, because right. it's usually, like, guy that had success before gets brought back. And then they're like, hey, you know, we've been bad, but this guy. And, like, yeah, I don't think it ever really. Because you've Uh-oh. been bad, so hiring old guy doesn't really. But I'm trying to think, other than, like, a... Uh, yeah, because Pat Riley always just goes to different places because he burns every bridge. Right? Um,
0: yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like Mike Brown and oh, uh, maybe and, I mean maybe the know.
1: Pat Riley coming back to to win the title for for the Heat. You know, after he fired Stan Van, so there's oh, our full circle okay. Stan Van right there. You got that? All right. um,
0: yeah, the, yeah. I guess that would be that doesn't that was really kind count though. special <laughs> yeah, like, circumstance, but yeah, but th- that that's true. That would be the example of it working out, obviously. Right. All right. Fair enough. Um 1981 through 87 Celtics, Um, three NBA titles, five uh, finals appearances in seven years, including four finals appearances in a row. The first time that anyone or the last time anyone did that before the uh, heat uh, did so. And of course, the Cavs and the Warriors have a chance to do so uh, this year. Uh, The last player from the first year of that dynasty was uh, Parrish, who lasted through 1994. Um, Bird retired in the uh, 1992 season. Kevin McHale retired after. Ninety-three, and uh, something interesting that um, well, you know, I'll I'll let you when once we do our fun, we didn't really do a lot of fun facts about uh, our pair, so we should. Um, so you know, I'll just I'll let you go into it because honestly, he was the last player from both the first year and the last year of the Celtics dynasty, which is pretty amazing that given the uh, age that he was. And uh, and Rich, how old was he? when like now or when? <laughs> like how old his was last he at the year? time yes well I, I like you know the the oh. the, the, fact, the facts I threw there yeah well yeah or you, you want to guess you know how old he was in uh 1994
1: 1994 okay try to play this robert Parrish game um he was in his 40s at that point right i think 41 i'm going to go with 41
0: not quite he was only oh. uh, i i think I, I think he was actually was 40 so yeah you, so or 39 oh, 40, okay
1: okay That's so. not bad
0: yeah yeah so we, we, we I, I was going to leave the fun facts for you, but I can read them if... Um, no, go ahead. Yeah, feel free. Okay, so so Parrish was actually almost the oldest member of the 87 Celtics because um, he, he was only 13 months younger than Scott Webman and only nine months younger than Bill Walton, despite the fact that both of them debuted in 75 and Parrish didn't debut until 77 at age 23. Given the fact that he lasted so long in the league, he was actually <laughs> like a relative late bloomer. You know, he retired in, uh, after the 96 uh, season. i and uh, and he played games against both Nate Thurmond and Kobe Bryant in his career. So uh, <laughs> That's long just time, the greatest too. Yes. So. Yeah, and like uh, the other
1: thing I love about him too is uh, as a guy that you, you know, obviously when he was in his prime, he, he was a perennial all star. You know, through the the, the early eighties. But then you know he's got these weird periods where in the early nineties he was also once again an all star. And it's like he's thirty six, thirty seven. Like you would assume at that point that he would kind of fall off a little bit or you know not be. But I mean, it was it was kind of funny. Like he didn't really ever. It, it wasn't really until he was like forty that he fell completely off a cliff. I mean he was a competent player until the mid nineties, until you know, pretty much until he left Boston. And even in that last year of Boston, he was still okay. Uh, then obviously the Charlotte and, and, and Bulls runs, he was just kind of there along for the ride for, for most of those. But yeah, it's 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 really fascinating too that a big man, you you would assume that he's a guy like because now we see modern big men and they, they might hang around a little while. Like a guy like Kendrick Perkins who we mentioned earlier, he hasn't been like a competent player in you know four or five years or whatever, but he'll always get a run because he's seven foot or whatever. You know, and there, there's constant guys like that. Eric Dampier got like four or five years more than he he probably should have. Brad Parrish was like a solid player until he was like 38 years old, which is nuts for a big man. Like that's just it's it's unfathomable, especially in that era, too. I mean, to, to, to have that much longevity, especially being that big and and playing that athletic as well and, and doing the things that Brad Parrish did. It, it's a ama- His career is, is unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really, really impressive uh, player. So uh, lots of uh, fun uh, too. We'll have to we'll have to dig more to his career. I feel like there's some interesting stuff. um he's not quite as glamorized as much obviously as Burden and Mikhail do agree so anyway he'd be uh, of course he's had such a long career that's a lot to dive into but uh, yeah but like playing with like Rick Barry and Alonzo Mourning like you know what I mean like it's just like absolutely, you know like it's just ridiculous
1: Like the the people that he spans is just nuts especially that like that last year that because I mean comes in in a completely different era I mean what he comes into the NBA and like you know it's it's arguably one you know one of its real big down periods in the mid-70s and you know he leaves in like the epicenter of the league but he's going through like all these ebbs and flows. just nuts how, how long he played and, and for how many and how different the league was you know when he came in and then when he left yeah i'd, I'd love to do yeah. a little bit more on, on, on robert Parrish yeah. and just you know, robert what Parrish he generation. who he played yeah, with too yeah, right,
0: it's just, yeah it's
1: nuts
0: there you go we'll, we'll figure that one out um Anyway, next, uh, the 1980 through 1991 Lakers, uh, five titles in nine years, nine finals appearances in 12 years. Uh, the last player from the first year of the dynasty was Magic Johnson, who lasted through uh, 91. Uh, Michael Cooper retired after 1990, and Kareem retired after uh, 1989, another guy, of course, who played for absolutely a tremendously long time. Um the last player from the last year of Dynasty was Elgin, Elgin Baylor, who was a rookie in 91, Ash lasted through mid 1990
1: Campbell. Eldon Campbell, I believe. Oh. Well, yeah, I don't yeah. think Elgin, Elgin made a, made a, made <laughs> Elgin a brief Taylor. run in the early 90s that you may have forgotten about. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> At age 60, Eldin, GM Elgin for The
0: person <laughs> also playing for the Lakers. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. sorry, thank you. Uh, Eldon Campbell.
1: Uh, I do like that idea of like, the... the, the the horrible conflict of interest of being the GM of one team and then playing for another—that'd
0: <laughs> be, that'd be good. Yeah, always well, in L.A., you could work out. You'd be fine. You well, know? given his given uh, his moves with
1: the Clippers, it makes sense that he was uh, working for somebody
0: else. So that's a uh... that's a fair <laughs> point. Ah, but um, yeah. lasted through mid '99 when he was traded at the Hornets. Uh, he actually had the most games, most minutes played, and third most points of any Laker in the 1990s. Um, if you're talking about the uh, the classic Lakers, uh, James Worthy lasted through the 1994 season, and Magic returned briefly. For the uh, 1996 uh, season. So, um, this is some fun facts about Elden Campbell that you found.
1: Yeah. So, so Eldon actually had a pretty, I mean, it was, it was interesting. I was watching one of the hardware classics, uh, a few months ago and like Eldon Campbell, came, you know, in the 91 Lakers, like it seems so odd because he especially, you know, he, he played for quite a few years after that as well. It just seems so weird to see this like baby-faced Eldon Campbell on the, you know, on that Lakers team. And you know, Vladdy Devox is there as well. So it's a pretty interesting as well. But, uh, yeah, some fun facts about, uh, Eldon Campbell, uh, top 20 all-time, uh, for Lakers rebounds. He's 17th right now. Uh, but he's nearly a thousand points behind his next closest which is George Mikan, So it's, it's kind of interesting there. Uh, the difference and and just how many great big men the Lakers have had uh, through history. Uh, he's thirteenth all time in Lakers games played as well, which I thought was really interesting because I don't necessarily. I I mean I know that. If I said Eldon Campbell, and I, I know you often think about this, of like, what team is synonymous with Eldon Campbell? Like, I don't know that, like, I, I don't, like, yeah, it would probably be the Lakers, but I don't know that that's, like, my initial thing. Like, I don't know if I have a team that I would necessarily put Eldon Campbell with. But, uh, yeah, that he's 13th all-time uh, in Lakers games played is pretty nuts. League uh, Leading 300 personal fouls in 1996 is the 13th most uh, personal fouls in a single Lakers season as well. Um Jim Jones is, uh, the all-time leader. He's got 324 and that's, uh, in 1981. That was the franchise high. Uh, this is kind of an interesting thought that I had kind of looking through this. Are the Lakers a historically low fouling team? Uh, so Jones Mark, which that 324 in 1981, uh, that's the Lakers top mark, as I mentioned, is only 99th all-time in single-season foul totals. So that top 100, this is kind of interesting. i try to look at, you know, what franchises. Uh, so in that top 100, you have one Lakers, as mentioned, Jim Jones. Uh, you have six Hawks. Seven Rockets, nine Knicks, and seven Sixers seasons. Now, obviously, there's a lot of repeat players in there, but I just thought, I, I just found it a little bit interesting given how, you know, much of a legacy franchise the Lakers were that they, you know, really don't show up in the fouls at all. And that guys like, a, you know, a Kareem or, or even Wilt during his era, there weren't, you know, those guys weren't in there. Even a Shaquille O'Neal or even, you, you know, those sort of guys don't pop up on this list. But yeah, Jim Jones is up there and that, that's really it. And then otherwise you got tons of other guys that, that are on the list and tons of other franchises, uh, represented, but not the Lakers that much.
0: Yeah. Rockets are interesting since they're, you know, relatively newer franchise. The other franchise, yeah. you know, the Hawks, Knicks and Sixers have been around since the NBA began. But, um, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting one. Well, that is. Uh, I mean, I, I guess obviously the Lakers have often been more like an up tempo, like, um, you know, finesse team. Like right. Less physical sure. team generally, historically. So it's kind of. One reason other than that, yeah, that, that kind of happens. But, but interesting. You know, it's a, it's a fun one. That's I, have a no nice
1: to, uh, I have no reason. I, I have no no conclusion. I just thought it funny. So maybe maybe somebody who's got some more time on their hands or whatever can, can try to come to the conclusion. But yeah, I like your idea. Yeah. I mean, that seems to make sense that they've been more of an up tempo, and that even, you know, they have a lot of big men that were historically good at rebounds and historically good at scoring, but very few were like, you know, great all-time rim protectors, or at least at the point that they were on the Lakers. Like, you know, Kareem obviously was, but, but by the time the Lakers came, he was more of, you know, and, and the tempo, too, kind yeah. of played a, a huge part in that as well. Well, and same with Will,
0: and and a lot of the great big men of all time also kind of avoid fouling. Like you know, they're they're not necessarily, um, you know, part of it is obviously avoiding foul trouble. Part of it is just they're so good they don't foul as much. You know, the, the better players don't. So, yeah. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, so the, uh, 88 through 1990 Pistons, they won two titles in two years and three finals appearances in three years. Uh, the last player from the first year and last year of the dynasty was Joe Dumars who lasted through the 1999 season. Uh, the second longest were, um, Bill Lambier and Isaiah Thomas who lasted through the 94 season, both dated back to 1982, uh, with the, uh, team. Um, as you alluded to earlier, Bill Lambier actually, uh, quit the team after a practice fight with, uh, Isaiah Thomas and Isaiah later, uh, it suffered a uh, career-ending knee injury uh, during that season. Not, not a good year for that uh, year. Don Jenny did not uh, go in for a very good time in 94. Sure.
1: <laughs> no, he did not. Yeah. No, and, uh, yeah, the uh, unfortunately, yeah. We, we still, you know, uh, a reference to what we have going on this week in the NBA where, uh, you know, the Chicago Bulls, where Nikola Miritich and Bobby Portis got in a fight, and yeah. Nikola Miritich uh, is going to miss a lot of time because he got yeah, uh, really it's, it's messed a, up. So it's, that's it's bummer, yeah. Not yeah. A, not great here, but uh, on a later note, fun facts about Joe Dumas. So uh, he's one of eight players in NBA history to come from McNeese State. Uh, He's the only one that survived in the league uh, beyond two seasons. Uh, 1989 Finals MVP, averaged 27.3 points per game as the Lakers swept uh, the Los Angeles Lakers in four games. Uh, He's a six-time NBA All-Star, four-time All-Defensive First Team. He also won the inaugural NBA Sportsmanship Award in 1996, and now the Trophy and Award bears his name. Uh, Grant Hill, a little bit of a fun fact and and kind of a piston relation, uh, Grant Hill is a three-time winner of the NBA Sportsmanship Award so good there. Uh, and despite some blunders towards the end, uh, the Pistons were pretty successful under Dumars' run as president. Uh, in 14 years as president, uh, they had a 595 and 536 record, uh, 73 playoff wins, six Eastern Conference Finals appearances, six Central Division titles, two Eastern Conference championships, and then, of course, the 2004 NBA championships. So, obviously, uh, Ben Gordon, and Charlie Villanueva happened, but, uh, and Josh Smith, but, you know, there were some good times before that. So Yeah, yeah. what can you do?
0: Cause uh, shots too. So yay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it, it was, uh, I think they'll take it. You'll you take any time you can get a championship in six uh, conference finals appearances in a row. You know, you'll, you'll take that. Um, 91 through 98 bowls. Uh, the, um, six titles of course in eight years three in a row twice uh the last year player from the first year of the dynasty uh scott pippen actually was the only player on the bulls the entire time of course michael jordan took a year off a year plus off for uh, baseball and the last year the uh last player from the last year of the dynasty was um randy brown who lasted through the uh, 2000 season uh tony kukoc was traded midway through that season rusty larue only played four games for the uh, bulls and uh dickie simpkins was there but he uh Went to Golden State for a little while, ninety uh, five, ninety six, ish or so before he came back and uh, was had a second run with the Bulls. So Randy Brown is our designated uh, dynasty survivor.
1: Yeah, I was really hoping it would be
0: Dicky Simpkins, but then again, there's not
1: really many fun facts about about Dicky other than his name is Lubara, or Lubara is his first name. So Dicky's actually a little bit of an improvement. But yeah, unfortunately, he um, he was traded by the Bulls to the Warriors for Scott Rel, and then I think like you know later in in in. 1998, You know, he was way by the Golden State Warriors and picked up almost immediately uh, by the Bulls again. So, yeah, there's obviously like a a weird, you know, weird little period there. We played for Golden State for about like 19 or 20 games or whatever. So, unfortunately, he doesn't uh, quite fit the bill. But that's all right, because we got Randy Brown here. Uh, So... Interesting enough, uh, Randy Brown scored only 20-plus points once in his Bulls career. He scored 20 points in March 17, 1999, of course, as the Bulls, you know, broken up the dynasty, so somebody had to score. Randy Brown was that man. His, uh, his highest output during the MJ era was 16 points. He got that in uh, April eighteenth nineteen uh, 1996. He's two times achieved a double-double with the Bulls, uh, 16 points, 11 rebounds, and that was in March of 1999. So, again, you know, big period for Randy Brown is March of 1999, apparently, and then he had uh, 16 points and 10 assists in April of 1999. Uh, this, I found... Pretty fascinating as well that uh, really speaks to that era of Bulls basketball as well. So Randy Brown, Will Purdue, and Dicky Simpkins, as the aforementioned Dicky Simpkins, are o- are the only three Bulls players with 300-plus games played with the franchise and less than five points per game scored. So, Randy Brown, Will Purdue, and Dickie Stevens, obviously all of them, played a large majority of their career with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and all had success and all have a lot of rings, but uh, did not score a lot of points. Definitely the uh, consummate role players there. Um, uh, 2009, uh, rather, uh, Randy Brown began an online auction in order to sell his three NBA championship rings. Uh, He had filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf uh, pretty much immediately after hired him as the Bulls Director of Player Development. Uh, The next year, he was named Special Assistant to the general manager and then in 2013 he was promoted to assistant general manager so that was Jerry Reinsworth you know finding out that one of his ex-players was in is some rough
0: shape and, and hired him and gave him a job and, and Randy Brown is still with the Bulls uh, to this day as well yes. so he apparently was involved in uh, helping to break up the uh the by yes he got in the middle now. yes right, a bit, right. T- a bit too late yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. of <Unfortunately>, course <laughs> it didn't really helpful there but uh well he's uh, short little, so you know before that, punched him and went right over Eddie brown he's uh, like damn you know, i'm not tall fair enough, point so. yeah that's unfortunate no no um yeah so good times um anyway um the uh 1994 through 95 rockets uh two championships in two years uh kim was the uh, first uh, the last player from both years of uh that uh team through 2001 uh, a if you're gonna do a tie for number two it'd be mario ellie clyde drexler and charles jones who was a in a very small role in his late 30s on uh those teams all all finished with the team in 1998 um and Matt Bullard actually played on the '98 team, went to Greece in 1995, played for the Hawks in '96, and then was back with the Rockets again from '97 through 2001. So, uh, obviously, doesn't officially count, but a nice little uh, fun, fun uh, road trip with uh, Matt Bullard uh, on his various stops in his uh, career. So, um, and, and the more recent, uh, we're gonna the rest of these teams are more recent so we're going to not dig into since I think most of our listeners are going to know the players who we are going to talk about but we will uh, right you not you don't just, need Tony Parker fun facts I'll just say you know what I mean like no, maybe right, in, in exactly. 10 years when we do this podcast we will but you probably don't need them right now exactly so the uh, 99 through 2007 Spurs they won four titles in eight years including three in five years from 07 to or 03 to 07 uh and the last player from the first year of that dynasty was of course Tim duncan through 2016. the last players from the last year the, the dynasty uh are are Tony Parker, Amon Ginobili, who are there through 2018 at least. Uh, you can also, of course, sort of connect the 2013 and 2014 Spurs that won, went to two finals and won a championship. Uh, Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili, and Matt Barner uh, remained from the 2007 champs on those teams. Uh, and the only players who are left from the 2014 Spurs currently on the team besides Parker and Ginobili are Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, and Patty Mills. So they've had a lot of turnover uh, since uh, then and only uh, yeah, uh, what four it's... seasons. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we, we, we sort of laugh at the, the Spurs for their lack of turnover, but yeah, it's really like the, the back end of the roster, other than, you know, those big top tier guys, a lot of them have, have really been, you, you know, a, a huge turnover, you know, monumental yeah. turnover in terms yeah. of the other, you know, six guy or the, you know, the other guys on the, on the bench and on the floor or whatever. But yeah, obviously you have the stabilizers of Parker, Ginobili and, and Kawhi. Uh, and, and of course, Andy Green and Patty Mills as well. But yeah, Parker and Ginobili are, uh, the, the never ending links to, uh, to Spurs dynasties. So it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, the 2000-04 uh, through 04 Lakers won three titles in three years, had four finals appearances in five years. Uh, Kobe Bryant was the last player from both the first and last year of that dynasty through the 2016 season. Uh, however, also notable, Luke Walton, who was a rookie in 2004, lasted through the early uh, 2012 season when he, when he went to Cleveland and then later became a coach, of course, uh, for the Lakers, uh, uh, of course. Um the uh, connector team the the uh, 2008- 2010 Lakers who won two titles and had three finals appearances in three years uh Kobe Bryant um, uh, uh, Luke Walton and Derek Fisher were the only members from the first era to be on that uh, team and Kobe was the last continuous player although meta World Peace did return in 2016 after two-year absence and played in 2017 after Kobe retired so so, so meta was the last guy but I, I think Kobe was the of, of course the actual answer here mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the uh, 2011 to 2014 Heat um, won two championships in two years and had four finals appearances. Uh, And Udonis Haslam was the last player from uh, the both the first and last year that dynasty played only 16 games last year, but is still on the uh, roster. So uh, Udonis gets to be he's the Heat lifer. So uh, yeah. And then obviously with the Cavs and the Warriors from 2015 to 2017, obviously way too soon to tell. Uh, Any predictions who might be the Dynasty survivors for those teams?
1: Yeah, I feel like, man, like a Steph Curry, I feel like that's going to be a guy who's just probably a warrior for life at a point. But, you know, I mean, like it's hard to say. Um. Exactly. I'm trying to think of like a like a bench like a random role player that just can survive for forever and that you don't even notice like like Kevon Looney is going to be there until like you know for another ten years or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's interesting. As far as the Cavs, I mean, geez, that team is is really old right now. So I can't imagine that any of those guys uh, are there for like you know another
0: decade or so or or, or really keep yeah. going for a while. I, I, yeah.
1: I, oh man, I think who, who do you did for
0: the Cavs? Yeah. yeah, Tristan Thompson for the Cavs is is, is mine uh, prediction. Oh for the Warriors, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the Warriors, that that one's a little tougher. Um, I guess I'll say Clay. Um, I don't know. I mean, you never know. St- Steph might go to the Hornets for like a year to you know finish in Charlotte or whatever, or just do something weird, you know. Um, and Durant's obviously been there later, so yeah. I mean, I I would imagine all those guys probably yeah, end, end up staying around the same amount of time, and obviously they're probably going to be there. You know, they've got probably a good five year run in them. Um, at least you know being in their late twenties, and you know, uh, it depends on the age, of course. But and it depends mm-hmm. on whether they can keep all that together without the money that they have to spend. But um, yeah, I I think uh, I don't know. That, that's a random. That's a random guess. I I don't really have a good answer for that. Yeah, no, uh, it's, that. it's hard to say. Yeah. I like your, you're just tristic- a. Guess is pretty good as well. And it might be by default because I think he's like the only, like,
1: like Derek Rose is probably not hanging around for another eight years as a calf So that's, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. And, and obviously oh, he doesn't have a not. link to, to the beginning, but yeah, don't fly, dear God, hopefully, dear yeah. to your not. But, uh, yeah, uh, right. yeah, that's, uh, yeah, Dwayne Wade, I don't think either. Yeah, no, it's, it'll be interesting there. Yeah. The Warriors is, is a fun one. That's, uh, yeah, who's going to be the first to leave of, of, of those guys? You know, do they all leave all at once? Like you're saying, is there just a very obvious point when it all just goes, you know, to, to hell and everybody just leaves or whatever? Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see because right now they're just so on top of the world world that you're like oh they're gonna be everybody's gonna be there forever like keep the same team forever but yeah it'll be uh it'll be fun to see who kind of who kind of leaves who kind of goes who kind of moves and and whatnot so yeah that's that's fascinating yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, checking us out. You can, of course, find us at the uh, step back at uh, fansited.com. And we are on uh, iTunes and uh, Stitcher and now uh, Google Play. We should be on Google Play at when you uh, listen to this. If not, we will be on there uh, extremely soon. If you are able to leave ratings and reviews on Google Play, I'm not familiar with Google Play. But if you can do that, that would be great because that will help spread the word. Any platform on which we are on uh, Stitcher would be uh, wonderful as well. iTunes, of course, a lot of people have left reviews. There the other platforms not so much um so yeah if you want to do that that would be really cool uh if you want to follow us on twitter and facebook at over and back uh nba um and uh, and go to the step back lots of good uh, content there besides our stuff of course lots of good articles on as the season's going along lots of good podcasts the fast break breakfast and the uh, replay and uh, nothing but Nile and all good stuff so uh yeah so thanks for listening and we're back again soon